0: Welcome to Hands on Health, the podcast all about living your healthiest life on the coast. I'm your host, Felicia Struvey. Life has been hard for many during the COVID-19 pandemic, especially for families with children. In this episode, licensed clinical social worker Misty Bodderf explains how the pandemic has affected kids. The impact has been different depending on the age of the kids, so Misty breaks it down into three groups for us: 0 to 5, 5 to 12, and 12 to 18. We'll talk about what stressors there are for these three age groups, the implications for your child's development, and what you can do about it. Join me for episode 25 of Hands on Health. Hi, Misty. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Felicia. I'm glad to have you on today. So you work in the pediatric clinic here at Columbia Memorial Hospital. You're the social worker in that clinic. So can you tell me a little bit about what your role is what that means?
1: Yeah sure Felicia so I'm a licensed clinical social worker in our pediatric clinic like you said. my role um, is varied. I do a lot of different things in the clinic including some parent education, connecting families and kiddos with resources like think to things like early intervention, counseling if they need it. I do brief short-term solution focused, Therapy visits with kiddos, um, ranging from about 5 to 18. And I'm just available for warm handoffs or really any behavioral or mental health needs here in the clinic.
0: Okay. And obviously, the stresses on families have changed during the pandemic and the lockdown. Schools are shut. A lot of daycares closed. What have you been hearing from parents?
1: Oh, goodness. So I've been hearing a lot from parents. And and definitely in the last year, we're coming up on a year of going through this pandemic. Parents have been very stressed. Uh, They are now having to be teacher, counselor, playmate. Many parents have either lost their job or are struggling with financial issues in the home. And so that increases stress. Childcare was an issue for a long time because of the pandemic. Um, Obviously, kids are out of school, which kind of changes, I think, that family dynamic. And so everybody's roles change. And along with that comes stress, anxiety, tension, depression. So, yes.
0: (laughs) And, And is it different depending on what age your children are?
1: Definitely. I would say kind of in that we have a lot of new parents. So in that zero to five range, you know, with your littler kids, you're looking at childcare, um, developmental, you know, is my kiddo going to develop normally because social interactions are limited. People are wearing masks over much of their face. So all babies and toddlers are seeing our eyes. Oh gosh, like sitters, childcare, school issues. More for the 5 to like 12-year-old, I think, middle school time and elementary school time can be stressful anyways. There's been a lot of social isolation, stress about online learning, and then our teenagers, kind of the same thing, that social isolation, lack of sports, lack of anything really that was within their normal realm of this is our day-to-day life has all kind of been shaken up.
0: Well, let's dive into those age groups a little bit more and talk about what those stressors are, what the implications for kids' development is, and what parents might be able to do about it where we're at right now. So you said the first group is zero to five. That obviously includes some people who've had babies during this this time and might be brand new parents and have never gone through parenthood before. And those early years can be very difficult in normal times. Yes. So tell, tell us more about that. What are things that those new parents are facing?
1: So that's actually a good place to start. Um, and I do have a wonderful teammate, Allie Kendick, that works in Women's Center with our prenatal moms. So she has also been able to help a lot through this pandemic with those new parents I think people, what I have seen is facing having a new baby. Um, Is my baby going to be born with COVID? Is my baby going to get sick? People want to touch babies and they want to see babies and they want to snuggle with babies. So really in this pandemic, we have been pushed to social distance, to wear masks. And so I've seen for a lot of new parents that struggle of, I want to introduce baby to these family members and get some socialization. But I'm also terrified that my baby will get sick or something will happen. So I think setting boundaries of who we want involved in our prenatal care and when baby is born has been a challenge. Um, As you know, some family members don't understand why masks and things are so important and they kind of want to see baby in spite of the parents being uncomfortable. I think for a lot of moms I've seen during pregnancy, how is this pandemic going to affect me being a pregnant woman? Do I need to worry about my health? Um, There was a time where they were limiting visitors into the family birth center. So a lot of them lost that support they may have had at their delivery. And I think just for those new parents, this is being a new parent in and of itself is extremely stressful, but then you add on a global pandemic political unrest and all of these kind of other things in the past year. And and that really, really has been a challenge, I think.
0: Let's go back to what you said about uh, some family members not respecting boundaries with a new baby. How are families successfully navigating that? Do you have any tips for people who've got, let's say grandma doesn't think COVID's a big deal, and so she doesn't wear her mask, but... You know, she's a very important person in your children's lives. How do they have those conversations? They are
1: tough conversations and they're not easy to have, I think, for anybody. Um, nobody likes confrontation, especially when it's with our family members. But I think having a plan beforehand. So, you know, if we know we're going to give birth in two months, really coming up with a postpartum plan of this is who we kind of want involved. This is what we want that to look like. And then being able to relay that to all of those important players in your life, right? That this is how we would like it to be at birth. We understand you're all excited. But for the matter of safety, we feel you need to wear a mask. We feel we need to limit contact for a couple of months. I know that our pediatricians are recommending a month or two of baby kind of being in the home only around parents for that first month or two. And then kind of finding your, your COVID circle or your COVID pod, I really think that it's, it's a tough conversation. You just have to really be able to set a firm boundary and then expect you may get some pushback, but hopefully you have family members that understand why that's so important for you at that time.
0: And in some ways, that's not much different from when I was having little ones in a flu season. Right. Right. So that was, it was like, we didn't go out for six weeks. We didn't have visitors come see the babies. So it's just a little more extreme.
1: Yeah. And I think it is doable. And again, it's not easy, but I think just if you do it, start thinking about maybe a couple months or a month before birth, right? Like who do we want involved? How do we want this to look? And if you, the mother, feels uncomfortable having that conversation, maybe having dad talk to family members, you know, um, or your support person to kind of help you deliver that news so you don't feel like you're doing it all by yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's an awful lot of uh, pressure on new mothers anyways. So Absolutely. I think delegating might be a good way to go with that conversation.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, have your COVID team, right, who is in my circle. And what can I have these people do that is going to make my postpartum experience easier and more smooth?
0: Mm -hmm. Another thing that you mentioned, and this definitely plays into uh, language development and emotional development, you said masking as a barrier. Can you talk more about that? Well, I know that um, obviously that first year of life is very crucial,
1: right? Babies are developing, they're developing social emotional skills. They are learning to engage with other people. And if you think about when we had our babies, you saw the full face and babies could model those smiles and those tears and the frowns. And I know at, at home, obviously, parents are probably not wearing masks around the baby. So they are getting some of that. But I think as far as the stranger component, like introducing to strangers and getting used to those social interactions when they're seeing strangers with just their eyes, right? Which I think your eyes are very expressive. And I know that babies will pick up on that. But I just think about that social emotional component. And when they're interacting with their world and everybody's wearing a mask, they're not as able to read those expressions and to model that behavior.
0: Mm hmm. Well, I, I'm just thinking about how that three-, four-, five-year-old range, too, where they are refining their language skills, where a D and a B sound the same, being able to see the lips is so important in yes distinguishing those sounds.
1: And also, I think that the masks I have experienced personally that you know, if somebody has a lower tone of voice, or if there's any kind of a speech delay or impediment, it is difficult to hear sometimes when people are talking. So that's a really good point, Felicia, that even their their language skills and things like that can be affected, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. And then the other the other side of that, too, I have a five year old. And from the very beginning, he's, you know, we've done masks as a whole family, and he did too. It didn't matter if it was mandated for him or not. But normalizing some of these protective behaviors, just like you do potty training and washing your hands and getting dressed and brushing your teeth and just making it part of here's how we take care of our bodies. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I think that's been important for our family.
1: Oh, huge. And, And you mentioned a good point that even these younger kiddos, like your little guy is five, they are having anxiety about this virus, right? Because they're hearing from the grownups, you know, this virus is happening, we have to wear masks, we have to wash our hands. But I like that that's a really good point is just normalize this, like you take a bath every day, right? Or you brush your teeth every day. Right now, we have to wear our masks every day, and we have to keep our hands clean. And I have seen some kids who, yeah, they're really struggling, um, even with going to school for the first time or returning to school for fear of what if, you know, Susie Q doesn't wash her hands or what if somebody takes their mask off by me? So it's definitely a fear even in our younger kids.
0: So I have, I have that five-year-old and then I have 11-year-old. So I have kids in those first two groups and the anxiety over masking or other people's behavior, that's definitely playing in that elementary age. Yeah. I Uh, I mean, they report, they report, uh, anxiety dreams over masking. Um, you know, they watch, well, the five-year-old, we watch movies and he goes, they're not wearing a mask. (laughs) The older ones understand that there was a time before, but, um, let's dive into that five to 12 Mm -hmm. range. So kids are going back to school. They're having anxiety about other people's behavior. Some of them, um, And some of them, for the first time, because they've been so isolated at home, they're having to learn these new behaviors. They haven't been to the store. They haven't been to the park. What are you hearing from those families?
1: So initially, when I actually returned to CMH, um, I worked here previously, but I returned on March 30th of 2020. So right at the beginning of this wonderful pandemic. So (laughs) what I was initially seeing was the elementary and middle school kids You know, school was virtual. So then through that first few, four or five months, a lot of stressors on parents and kiddos. Kids were struggling with the virtual learning. Parents were struggling because, again, they had to be teachers, counselors, playmates. Many of us were not used to that role. Um, Many people had to change work hours, which was difficult for them. Um. Many people lost their jobs. So really, initially, it was that big, how do we do this? Our kids are struggling. Their social isolation. Um, you know, a kindergartner learning for the first time on a computer when he has not had that social interaction or that school experience, very, very difficult.
0: Yeah, I heard a lot. Uh, I coach soccer in the fall. And I heard from a lot of kids. I would ask, how's school going? Oh, it's terrible because the things that they liked about school weren't there anymore. There was no motivation to sit on the computer and do social studies or math for hours when they didn't have their pal next to them or they didn't have recess to look forward to or lunchtime or any of those other enjoyable parts of school or things that they found enjoyable.
1: Absolutely. And you brought up being a soccer coach. That was a huge thing that went by the wayside, right? Mm -hmm. There's canceled. So for a lot of kids, that was their healthy outlet, their socialization. Um, But you're right, everything that they liked about school, like, let's be honest, I rarely meet kids who say my very favorite part of school is just learning, right? It's just, just sitting in front of that computer. There's, like you said, the social interaction, the sports, the structure and routine is a big thing I've seen a lot of people and a lot of kids lost, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You're learning virtually, you know, as parents, we're not as rigid at home typically. So it was like a lot of that routine was lost. For many kids, school was their safe place where they felt like, you know, they, they had people that cared about them and their friends and their peers. And so there was also that not so great side of kiddos where there may have been abuse or neglect in the home now are in that home 24-7 and they're not at school where they got kind of a reprieve from that.
0: Yeah, it's almost like there's kind of three groups of kids. And like you said, there's kids who home wasn't a safe place or maybe there's food insecurity at home. Yeah. And so school was a place where they got breakfast, where they felt safe and cared for. Then you had this other group of kids where school was, um, and, and some of them overlap obviously, but where it was social and that was the reward for doing the learning work. And then I keep hearing about this other group of kids where school was stressful. These were the kids who already didn't want to go, had stomach aches and headaches and were avoiding school because maybe it was bullying, maybe it was you know learning disabilities. There was some reason they didn't like being at school who have thrived being at home online because that was their safe space. So I imagine some kids are glad to go back and some kids are dreading it. Yeah. But you mentioned, when we talked before, you mentioned that in some ways going back to school has been disappointing, even for the children where school was the place they wanted to be.
1: Yeah, I have heard um, recently, you know, in the past month or two, the kids have been returning in our different school districts. And like you said, some kids are thrilled, like, oh, my gosh, I get some social interaction. And then some kids are really anxious. And the ones I see that are more anxious are, for instance, somebody that started kindergarten last year and school moved to virtual. And so now they're returning as a first grader. They haven't had that foundation of learning social skills and making friends, and so now it's like, oh my gosh, right? I haven't been in school for an entire year. How do I make friends? How do I be social? Is this person still going to like me? You know. And then on top of that, the worry about what if I get COVID? We have to wear masks. We all walk in weird lines. Um, one of my kids told me that you know they're not really. It's kind of like they're in a classroom setting, but they're doing their virtual learning in a classroom. So I've heard that a lot is we've went back to school, but it's just really doesn't look like school used to look. And then I have kids who, like you said, for some school prior to the, anything having to do with the pandemic, some kiddos just school was not a good place for them and didn't feel safe. And so those kids are thriving still, you know, they're kind of yeah. like, well, this format really works for me. I'm doing well. And so it's just kind of mixed how kids respond and, and how they manage this. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you mentioned delays in development of social skills. What are these key social skills that that you're seeing delays in?
1: I think just the the social isolation was causing those delays, right? Kids learn and they express themselves through play with other children, with interactions with their teachers. And so an entire year when you don't have that practice of give and take relationships, um, how to have a conversation, how to compromise in play, or, you know, how to just communicate, I think with other peers, your age just sets them back a little bit, you know, because a lot of kids, there were some kids, I feel like who had their little safe circle that they were socializing with all through COVID. But then I've seen a lot of kiddos who had virtually zero social interaction with peers. So I think those delays in just how do I socialize and communicate and learn the things that I normally would have learned if I was at school.
0: Well, and how flexible are kids? I mean, their brain plasticity is, is a catchphrase these days. Let's say you have that kid who was kindergarten last year and first grade this year and hasn't made a first friend should you worry?
1: That's a good question. I think that I actually am seeing a kiddo that, that this this exact instance is going on. I don't think you have to necessarily worry like, oh my gosh, my child is never going to have a friend. It's just going to take a little more, I think, for those kiddos. So like we are working on friendship skills, social skills, how to have those interactions. And um. You know, he actually did meet a kiddo at school and he is interacting with this child. So I think, whereas maybe it would have been a natural progression before now, kids just need a little bit of how do I brush up on these skills, you know, but I'd, yeah. I would say the worry of, oh my gosh, my child will never have friends. It just may take longer in this new for them to kind of get comfortable with that again. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it definitely is this relaxing of boundaries. Yes, in a lot of ways. Yes, yeah. Well, hopefully, the new the CDC's new guidelines about uh, three feet of social distance will make it make a difference because you can sit next to somebody.
1: Absolutely, and I think <laughs> the more and more people that get vaccinated, I think that's definitely going to be an improvement for everybody. And so, hopefully, they will be able to loosen up some of those guidelines more as time goes on.
0: Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons that at this point. We're focusing more on kids. Uh, there was a lot of talk about our seniors being extra vulnerable to illness. Yeah. But our kids are going to be, it, we can't get them vaccinated for months and months, possibly. So this is longer for them. Whereas adults who are, you know, you've got two adult households that are vaccinated, CDC is saying it's safe to visit. That's not the case with two families with children that aren't vaccinated. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. And so that's a ways out. So, yeah, obviously, that's going to kind of just delay it a little bit more, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's been a lot harder on kids. I've been reading so many evidence based articles that their mental health is suffering through this pandemic for sure. Mm -hmm. And the piece. Um, But there are, you know, ways to kind of mitigate that and to help with that.
0: Hey there, it's Felicia. Thanks for listening. I'd love to include your questions or comments in an upcoming episode. To leave me a message, please call 503-338-4654. If you've got a health question, I'll do my best to get you an expert answer. Again, that number is 503-338-4654. Now let's get back to our guest. Well, one of those groups that that teenage group is one that's really been. I mean, we've seen years of research about how toxic social media and digital living in a digital space can be for them and their developing sense of identity and status, and all of these problems that come up with kids measuring themselves against the artificial reality that they see on social media. But that's where our kids have been in that teenage set. So what are you seeing there? So that's a really good thing to bring
1: up too. One of the biggest things that I've heard from parents across the board is screen time. So Mm -hmm. they are now learning virtually. So let's say they're on the computer for five or six hours a day doing homework and Zoom classes And then because they can't have that social interaction, they're getting their social interaction online through social media, through discord, if they're playing video games with people, sleep schedules have kind of been thrown off because once again, they're lacking that structure and routine. And so I have a lot of teenagers who are telling me they're staying up till one in the morning, two in the morning, three in the morning, playing video games and kind of being online. Um, So, and as we know, that can definitely affect sleep cycles, mood, all of those things. So that's been a real struggle for teens and parents right through this pandemic, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and that's also a group that tends to have eighth grade graduation, high school graduation, those big milestones, uh, homecoming, the big football game, all of those things have been lost in this, you know, in the last year for those kids. Do you see a lot of Uh, depression, grief, sadness around? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, So
1: last year, it was the group of seniors who didn't get to have a quote-unquote normal graduation. So they missed what is a huge milestone in any teenager's life. Um, Also some anxiety about the kids who were going off to college. What is college going to look like? Will I start online Will I get that normal, like, freshman college experience? And the answer was no for a lot of those kids. And like you said, um, we had kids going to state last year where that was canceled. We had kids who were graduating. We had kids who were trying to get their driver's licenses. So all of those things that kind of lead towards those independent living skills got shut down again. So then there you go. There's that delay And then there comes the depression and the anxiety and the sadness due to some of those things.
0: Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about what you were saying with the worries about going off to college or, you know, starting any sort of independent life. There's, uh, from what I hear from parents of young college students, they're living in dorms and doing online schooling. So all they know is their roommate or... You know, they've moved back home or it but yeah, there's there's a lot of growth that continues into those late teen and early twenties years.
1: Absolutely. And that's when you're kind of um, you know, as teenagers, we're finding our path, you know, are we gonna go this way or are we gonna go this way? And the pandemic really has put a lot of blockades in in the path for some of these kids. So kind of helping them problem solve and work through that and and also just help manage their mood, you know, get some healthy coping skills in there. And our kiddos are always vulnerable during all stages of life, I think. But, you know, specifically, we have these younger and babies who are developing as what we hope are healthy, productive children. And then we have our teenagers that we want to develop as healthy, productive adults. But there's been a lot of barriers to that this year.
0: So obviously, it's been challenging for uh children of, of all ages and, and their parents, what is available? What's out there to help?
1: Okay. So if we're thinking of our zero to five year group, I think, um, obviously finding some community support, right. For parents, there is inclusive moms of Astoria on Facebook. There are some Facebook groups in town, um, Even if you're having a virtual connection with somebody and you kind of have a place to bounce ideas off of and talk to somebody, those things can be really helpful. Um, Even if you're not getting that face-to-face interaction, find your pod. People call them their COVID pods or their COVID circles. So the pod may be a coworker that you feel safe being around or another mom friend that you have or really anybody in your circle that you can go for a walk with or, you know, sometimes just engaging in some of those quote unquote normal activities with somebody can be really helpful. Um, Talk to your provider, our providers here at CMH, there is a social worker in all of our clinics. Um, We have a wonderful team. We always have interventions and healthy coping skills and things like that to provide to people. Um, And really just finding, I think as a new mom or new dad, Finding time for self-care and finding time for yourself a little bit during that. Um, And really just finding who's my team going to be. If I'm a month or two out from delivering my baby, let's really think about this logistically. Like, what do I want this to look like? Who's going to be on my support team? Um, But if you don't have those supports in, in the community, again, I think reach out to somebody. Talk to your provider. Talk to us here at the clinic. Um, there's a lot of really great online resources through like NAMI and some of the mental health websites that have some really good coping skills. Oh, Allie and I do an emotional, a woman's emotional wellness group once a month for our prenatal and postpartum moms. Um, That's just a place to kind of vent, talk about what you may be struggling with.
0: We'll have to link to that in the description. That would be great. Oh, yeah, yeah. And what about, what about those families with the five to 12 year olds? How can we help them with uh, anxiety and social delays?
1: And I think with that, you know, uh, once again, talk to your provider. We've had a lot of parents talk to our pediatricians and then that's when I become involved. Um, Just helping them see that it's okay to feel, I think, normalizing for all of these kids that, and validating. This has been an extremely hard time, right, for everybody. It's normal that you feel anxious and mad and frustrated and all of these things, but just helping them kind of see that those emotions are normal and then providing them, again, with some healthy coping skills, um, deep breathing, getting outside. Um, I think as parents, though they might not be able to have as much social interaction Go spend time in nature. I've had a lot of parents taking their kids on hikes, going to the beach, because we can social distance in nature and really just be a listening ear for your kids. That's the biggest thing is I hear mom or dad want to fix it when I just need them to listen. So I think, you know, just being there and, and giving lots of hugs, extra cuddles, you know, make it as fun as you can mom and dad movie nights with the kiddos let's pop some popcorn if you have peers in their peer groups that you feel like their families are social distancing and they're safe absolutely put together a little two or three kid play date or where they can meet once a week um, and kind of get together but i think the most the the biggest thing is normalize and validate i hey i understand that this is really tough for you how can we help make it better
0: you said, as parents, listen, but don't need to fix. I think that's such a shift in your role as a parent. It's always a shift we have to go through. Yes. <laughs> it's not it's not new to the pandemic, but it's definitely a shift that does happen about the time you stop wiping the rear end and, you know, brushing their hair for them. And so that allowing them to be in charge of their own emotional wellness is also a shift. Yeah. And I don't
1: think we necessarily have to make them be in charge, but just, I think letting them know that these are normal and then how can we fix them? Right. Just validation. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I think, and I've heard middle and high school kids tell me this, like my parents just want to fix it and I just need them to listen. So I would say, I think listening is key and huge mm-hmm. for the other groups. And then once they are able to get kind of what's going on out How can we help you fix that? I just used the word "fix" again, but how can we make this easier in the future? What are some healthy tools that we can adopt, maybe even as a family? Like we're all stressed out. What are some ways that we can decompress and have some healthy coping skills together? You know, Mm -hmm. a too.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, uh, we transitioned into that teenage years. What what's out there for those kids?
1: The teenage years, I actually have been thinking about putting together a support group for for teens in our community. The reason I've been holding off on that is because right now we would have to do it virtually. And I feel like these kids have enough virtual things in their I think with teenagers, um, again, there are a lot of great online resources. There are some um, like online support groups that teens can do. Again, if they have, even if it's their one person or their one friend that they can spend time with and kind of be quote unquote normal around, right, to kind of have some venting. Oregon Youth Line is a wonderful, and we can link to them too. I have their resources here in my office. It is a um, call or a text line that's open Monday through Sunday, and it is staffed by professional counselors who work with these teen peer mentors, and so it's a really nice resource if a kid just needs to be like, hey, I'm having a really rough day. They kind of talk them through it. It's anonymous, Um, so that's kind of a great resource just to have, and once again, I think I've had the kiddos themselves reporting to their pediatrician and parents that they're struggling, so how do we as a community and parents support them? We listen. We validate their emotions And we help trying to teach them some of these stress reduction skills and healthy coping skills and things like that.
0: I feel like one of the messages that I keep giving my kids, and I don't know if it's the best one to give or not, but is basically that it feels like this has been a long time for you because it's a long time in your life. But it's not going to last forever. And ultimately, it's really not a long time in your life. So we'll get through it we'll do it together we'll but giving that perspective because that is one thing i mean we've all been there we've all been that 16 year old where the little slight feels huge they don't have the perspective and and that's one thing we can provide as adults is just just a sense of or at least even if they don't even if they don't take it to heart we can deliver the message that it is short term
1: in the Absolutely. It is short term. And what I've been doing a lot and um, having parents do is just that positive reinforcement. Right. Even if, you know, for the day they manage to get up and take a shower and keep some sort of a routine, you know, reminding them of in spite of this being a really tough year, there are still some things that you're doing that are really, really good. You know, pointing out those positive traits that they have or, or things that they have been doing positively and, you know, kind of giving them a little bit of hope. It's been very Mm -hmm. difficult for a lot of my teenagers to be forward thinking when this is going on. But as you said, providing them that perspective that this isn't going to last forever, you know, let's start thinking about when this is over with, what do you want it to look like? How do you feel like your life will have changed? Mm hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, and I don't think it's just the pandemic. I've been hearing from parents of older teens for a couple years that their kids were afraid of going out into the world. And it could be they've heard about global warming and they're stressed. It could be, you know, they feel like the problems of the world are too large. Yes. And I try and tell my kids every age because they say we were born at the wrong time. We should have been born in the 70s. (laughs) It's <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Cold no. War. I mean its challenges too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So every era, every generation has their own challenges to to face, their own things they inherit from the older generations. And so let's hope that we're building a more resilient uh, group of kids through this. Because, you know, in a year's time when uh, when you've got a kid who says, I just don't know if I can ask that girl out, you say, oh, heck, you remember that first day of school? And you didn't know the kid next to you, right? (laughs) Or do you remember how you just got through an entire year of a
1: crazy pandemic and political unrest and look at you now? Absolutely. Yes,
0: yes, you can do it.
1: (laughs) And a lot of that I would say a lot of that from parents, no matter what your kid's age is like, you know, we're going to get through this together. We've got this, um, you know, validation, normalization, and let's get through this together. Like mm-hmm. we're going to come out on the other side at some point. So hopefully we've become more resilient and learned some skills along the way.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on and sharing all of your great insights and we will link to, um, some of these resources that you've talked about today. I think there's, there's some gold in there for somebody, so.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, glad to have you, Misty. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Felicia Struvey, and this has been an episode of Hands on Health, brought to you by Columbia Memorial Hospital in Astoria, Oregon. CMH is an independent, not-for-profit health system that provides comprehensive person-centered care in Northwest Oregon.